And after 31 years, mm-hmm. sounds like you went through a lot, a lot of uh, crazy times, some yes. good. Um, yes. wh- why? Why retire now? Boom! Boom! Who do we have today? Todd Tomlinson. Dude's the ultimate dude down in the in the panhandle. You know what living room I'm sitting in? Um, looks like a TV show. It is a TV show from right around the era that you were hired. My first okay. property count was Janet Discant, a condo. That's awesome. So Todd, yeah, what man. is the number one piece of advice that you give anybody coming into this industry uh, with your 31 years of knowledge? Todd Tomlinson. Yes. Welcome to the insurance dudes. Welcome to the dudes. Dude, the Dude. Great to be here. Great to be here. I watch <laughs> you guys all the time. Uh, <laughs> awesome. So Todd is second generation agent. Yes, sir. Second generation agent. Building. You retired. And yep. dude, what? 31 years. Gonna and drop some like, secrets. And I won't like that. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Where does it go? Yeah, when when um I came in when I went to hiring class for our captive company, they told me from being from Florida. Just shut your mouth. Keep your mouth shut. Just they ask you for Florida, shake your head. Yep. Okay, good. Because I came in as a direct hire. So they were phasing out the stories and I came in. So when I go up there, I was the only one at the time from Florida. Because keep in mind, the the captive program was changing to where the exclusive program was coming in. So we are we were the last, one of the last employee um, classes there. I think there was one more in Florida that we had after that. But we were the last class to come in as a as a employee agent. So and come in and shut about, your mouth. Yeah, we knew nothing about what was going to happen in that. Did no one mention anything? Hey, you're the last class, or just the fact that. And then once we got in the field, they said, "Oh, by the way, there's no more employee agents coming on." I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. So, but when I came what, in, when I got out of hiring year? class, I'm sorry. What year was that? Um, 1990. 1990. I would have been I would have been hired three years sooner. I couldn't pass the damn track test, you know, because I was <laughs> single. They did. They wanted military and they wanted engineers. They wanted a different mindset as to go into it. And not mm-hmm. that I, I couldn't answer a, quest, a test. I mean, I you know graduate all A's and B's from college. It wasn't like I didn't know how to take a test. But when they, when they do a psychological test on you and they want a different answer of what they're asking the question, it's a little bit different on on, on the outcome. So that's when they that's when it was really hard to get hired by the company then gotcha just like just show up and hey let's do it i'm gonna give and you you, a were test. you know what yes you know what yeah. living room i'm sitting in since we Whoa. uh forgot the first question um looks like a tv show it is a tv show from right around the era that you were hired at the company um give me a clue he the main character was from was out of this world oh i know what it is what is it? The Which main one? character eats cats. Eats cats. Eats cats. He's, a, he's kind of a stuffed animal. He's an alien. Oh, elf. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Good old <laughs> elf. Same thing. I was waiting for him to pop in. I was waiting to pop in right there on the uh, in the doorway or something. So, yeah. I didn't realize he ate cats. Forgot about that. 
Remember yeah. that? That was yeah. that was good. Okay. Now let's go back. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah. To the so you got in. You got yeah. It. So when I when I came in, um, like I said, they were phasing out the the Sears. Oops, can I say that? They were phasing out the Sears stores. So at the time, when we came in, I had friends of mine that were got hired a little before me, but they were they were in the Sears store. So at that time was wasn't so you're a bad. Not necessarily yeah. saying that this is associated with any Sears stores. No, no, that that was the captive at the time. That's what they had. So they also had some oh. other things too. So it could be anything. But with I think that said, out of business, Greg. They phased that out. So when I came in um, with with two other agents, one being my dad, another agent at the time. So there was a three man office at the time. You could have them. There were some also. There were some four man offices too at the time. But really, they didn't. They frowned on those. So really, it was a three man office. And we did what that. What was for, the difference uh, between a three and a four man office? What What was the line that was like? You know what? One three is the magic. Or just different if you could accommodate them because you know in the mid 80s is when they launched their program you know the wow. the certain initials that we we can say has oa in it so when they launched that program um they were taking people out of the sears store and putting them into neighborhood offices mm. four is not a prime number one two and three are <laughs> so unprimed but there was a bulk of there was a bulk of people that were two man offices because you know there were some offices that they would take six months off the agent and the other agent would work six months, they'd do a change of the guard say like in June, the other agent would go back to wherever they're in Canada California wherever they're at and they would show up you know back in January hey I'm here, change of the guard and that's how awesome. they work. Craig would so, like that. Yeah, that it's like Buckingham bad. Palace. Buck- <laughs> is it Buckingham? Or- yeah, it yeah. wasn't too bad. Buckingham. Yeah. Buckingham. But, you know, over time is when um, my dad and myself made the decision to convert over to the current program that everyone's under because you had you had the opportunity to do that. And at the time, there's a lot of incentives that were throwing at you to do that. So I lo- I didn't have five years vested, so I lost my retirement, whatever it was, and, but I got my, my profit sharing back when I converted. But I had four and a half years of being an employee before I converted over to the current program that we're in. And my dad got to retire twice. Dad got to retire as an employee. And then six mm-hmm. years later, when I purchased his him out of his side, he got to retire again. So there was oh. only a, a handful of agents across the country, a little more than a handful, maybe less than 50, that got to do the same thing. Double That's retirement. So we... So you got the double dip. That's pretty good. <laughs> double dip. The double and they dip. say it doesn't exist. It doesn't. It existed, so... I have some kids, and when the uh, ranch dressing comes around, there's a lot of double dipping. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do that. I can, I can imagine. <laughs> so they double dip carrots or celery? Would they double dip? Uh, anything. The next, and then when they run out of something, it's hands. <laughs> it's don't go. <laughs> if you see ranch out at the Feltman house, don't do it. Don't touch it. <laughs> Avoid don't it. T- <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Todd, yeah. how, how were those first few years? How was it going into? I mean, 31 years, man. Do you know what's scary? 30 wins later, I can still tell you my first auto account and my first property account. My first okay. property account was Janet Discant, a condo we wrote. <laughs> and my um, auto account was a doctor and his wife. And I spoke with her, you know, got that she called in for a quote one time. And right when I was getting, so I came back on agent number, it was cool to go because you were sandbagging some stuff before you came back from, from home office training. But you sandbag a couple of stuff as soon as you got your number. Mine was tax day when I got hired in 1990. So when I got back in the office, I wrote the policy effective that day. But um, that was Ari Alice, Dr. Ari Alice. And he had, uh, of all things, he had an NSX. 
that we insured. Hmm. Had to get an exception for it, but um, we had that and three other cars. But that was That's my first awesome. auto account. I had them for probably, I don't know, 20-something years. And he moved. He retired and he moved um, out of state. And uh, my other client, she she had sold a condo and she moved, um, I think, back up to New Hampshire, wherever she was from after, I don't know, 25 years. But those are my first two accounts. And, they, you know, they when you write them, they stick in your head on on stuff. So, so we all Did talk you about drive the NSX. That's a good question. It's very important. <laughs> Do you know our, our company we can't name? They they were the first ones that had to pay a claim out on the NSX. A guy of really? all things in Arizona um, lost control of it and backed it into a guardrail and it peeled it like a can opener. And so they had to do it. So when we insured the another one that came in, I had some clients that were um, medical equipment guys, and these guys were just loaded. And so they bought the first mm -hmm. one in South Florida. And so I knew the guys from a friend of mine who had their other stuff and no one would touch them except for our favorite company. So we went up and insured it and it was a big deal and, you know, got pictures with the, with the uh, dealership guy, Rick Case at the time, wow. which, and there's no one in Florida. And, you know, it was pretty cool to see and wrote it, gave him the policy, off he went. So, so it was awesome. a good question. Yeah. <laughs> they were cool cars. They were. Yeah, cool is that that might have been the first year it came out, right? Ninety. Yes, I think it Matter was. Fact, my, my my brother's boss, who owned Circus, uh, Mr. Bennett, he owned four of them. Uh, he was in Southern California. He was in Huntington, but he had um, four ones that he ordered. He had kept two in California and two in Las Vegas. He had a wow. red one, a black one, a silver one, <laughs> and I guess let me see, red, black, silver, and white. I believe. Probably white. Yeah. Yeah, those wow. are the colors he had. In Huntington Beach. Yeah. yeah. He's, I was in Huntington Beach at that time. Yeah, I was 11 years old. <laughs> yeah. He also had some other cars, but you know, of all the cars that he had, he really liked the NSX. He I had probably... Ferraris, he had, you know, he had his uh, big Beamer, I guess at the time was what, the 850, I guess, the big sedan, the road cruiser. Oh, yes. Yeah. Those things were like, those are land yachts, man. Those are like the old the Coupe de Ville's and stuff, the Cadillacs from the 70s, you know, the big land yachts, so... <laughs> I was probably watching a little Fresh Prince of Bel Air on the couch right around then. Mm. Yeah, because cool, like man. my brother, when we was there, I'd visit him, and he'd make, I don't know, I don't know, what was it like, two hundred miles, two hundred ten miles from Vegas to LA, depending on where you're at in LA. He'd make it like two and a half hours doing like freaking hundred, you know, running down the road in the new Beamer. So, because it was never driven, he had so many cars and never really got driven. So he'd say he flipped the keys, to my brother, hey Tom, go drive it. So we'd like see ya. <laughs> we'd haul down to LA for the weekend and, you know, and come back. So, so what, uh, what was it like selling back then? Um, and then how's it changed? Well, one thing, again, I'm not <laughs> proud of it, but you at the time when you do this and you guys will laugh. So over time, when you learn to go to see someone on a call, you know, people say a call, you mean like you're calling them? No, no, no. We, we go see the people <laughs> at their work or you go see them at their house. Right. Because you know, the uh -huh. guys, the agents who worked in the booth only worked really four hours. You had four hours on and then your shift, depending on how many agents were in the booth. And in our case, we had three agents. So before I became an agent, I would be the gopher. I'd go for this, go for that, go see the other agents <laughs> that went there, and I'd go and do all the stuff. And that's how you, you kind gopher. of, you know, you you got into the business and you learn how to do stuff and you learn how to write the application or the triplicate, you know, with the with the carbon copies. You you go down and you're riding on the steering wheels. You're going looking up and you're riding and looking up, you know, not making sure you're having accidents. But we, I had a cell phone at the time. I had the old, the old Motorola brick phones, which were huge. You know, you could be six feet under and get a phone call with one of those babies, but <laughs> you could be anywhere with that. But we'd have that. 
and you call the people ahead of time. It was, they think you were so cool, you know, calling from a cell phone, you know, say, hey, I'm on my way. I'll meet you like in 10 minutes. Oh, cool. Come on up. But I, I'd go to businesses. I'd go to people's homes. I'd go to, you know, people that were um, on a vacation home that, you know, they'd still come by the office. But for the most part, in my case, having disposal, being a producer for the three agents, I'd go out and I'd see people. But I, I'd ride it on the way down. Um, and as I got my other car later on, a six-speed with it, it was it was a little bit tougher to do because you'd have to eat at the same time, <laughs> drive with your, you know, not, again, not being proud of it, but drive with your knees, shift, still write the application because, you know, you're on your way down. And once you got there, whoop out your briefcase, uh, go over the policy with them, make sure they learned everything. You know, you, they knew what bodily injury was. They knew what property damage was. They knew what in Florida PIP was, collision and comp. Make sure they had rental, all that stuff. So stuff that you learned then kind of carry with you as you go, you know, older in, in my career, but you, you just had to do it and make sure people got the right coverage. But mm. we did many of that. I mean, you'd see them, you'd see them on weekends, you'd go on a Saturday. Um, I mean, when Hurricane Andrew came in 92, we were out there. I worked, God, it was a full day up until like probably eight, nine o'clock at night on Saturday seeing people because we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, this just huge cat five storm is heading right to florida south florida and then you know they're all telling you it's gonna be doomsday man just you know go out and take pictures because nothing you're gonna see is gonna look like that after and sure as heck it was when you go down to like the south dade all our landmarks were gone um you we we went down after the hurricane had come ashore and we were in the northern part of the county but it struck the southern part of the county you ever been like the homestead down there but that's where mainly it came to shore and it did a whopper. I mean, it just, it totaled stuff left and right. I mean, homes, frame homes just blew them down. Um, the ones that really, that weathered the storm the best were the older homes. The ones built in the 40s and 50s and early 60s, because they just built them different. Even though it was a stick home, it was just constructed so much better than they were at the time in the 80s and 90s with the cookie cutter homes. And you could see that. So um, another friend of mine who was in the insurance business as well, we were down on one of the western roads that you can go to because the Everglades is on one side and then everything else is on the other side. So as we're going down, we were behind the Corps of Engineers waiting for them to clear the road. So it took us three hours to go probably 20 miles because we're behind the Corps of Engineers as they're, you know, with the bulldozers pushing everything off the road as you went down. And, you, you know, you go like maybe a half a mile and sit again and wait. So, but um, at the time with the cell phones, you know, once the towers were down, you, you just lost kind of communications. For us to be on time, we had a three-hour window to be on time to see somebody. You'd see like maybe four people in a day. Wow. Jeez. And then we, you know, at the time, Allstate would give us those cheesy, you know, uh, magnets for the side of the car. So they put them, we'd slap them on the side of the car to go through all the roadblocks. You know, the cops, okay, come on, use insurance, let them through. So I was like, cool, man. So then we'd go down and see people, and then on the way back, you'd forget and go through a neighborhood. And, and one instance, I did that, and I forgot. I'm driving back, and this little kid comes out. You know, in the middle of the street, puts his hand up. Like, hey, what's up? Hey, uh, my daddy says you had to give me a check. Uh, I don't think so, Junior. <laughs> I, I don't know who you are, but, yeah, because we were given ALE checks, additional living expense mm. checks. We had the all ah. for $5,000. That's one thing they should bring back. right? Oh, yeah, they should bring those back, honestly, because it would bring so much for customer relations. But that's another topic. But anyway, yeah. we had they give us a whole stack of checks. I mean, we're talking like that thick of checks. And you go down. So on a tale of that story was in our office, we were at the northern part of the county. It was pretty easy to get to with the roads. And we're in there, I don't know, maybe a month after the hurricane. 
And the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, FDLE, comes in our office along with the Metro Dade police officers. And we're like, wow, what do we do? You know, it was jammed. You know, our office probably had, I don't know, 10 people in it waiting for people to, you know, get checks and the claims people were at our office and stuff like that. So, um, you know, friends of mine down in South Dade, they, their offices were decimated. I mean, they, they had no power. They had no computers, nothing. And they come in on a piece of paper and, you know, you go in and say, what's your policy number? Oh, here's my policy or I don't know what it is. Well, where's your address? And most of the time they went to the agent that wrote the policy. You know, it's different now, but at a time, if you were in South Dade and you wrote, you most of the people you were in your like 25 mile radius around your office. Could be 50, whatever it might be, but the core of your people were around your office and knew who you were and you knew them. So when they came in, you know, oh, yeah, it's Mrs. Jones, no problem. Or it's Mr. You know, Garcia, no problem. I, I know uh, we had the microfish cards at the time. So if you had a generator, you pull up the microfish card and you go down and look at it. And, okay, here's this policy. Here's the policy number and go from there. But if someone came in your office that you didn't know, you'd almost have to take their word that here's, here's my policy number. And with that, with the fraud, then the lady got, is the FDA lead was in our office. The reason why in their office was, this lady got tipped off. She's going to, she was in our 12th office to pick up ALE checks. Oh. She was, she was waiting <laughs> to pick up her 12th check at our office and they busted her $60,000. That was a lot of money back in 1992. Still anyway, a lot of money. So they busted her, had her in cuffs and stuff like that. And, you know, basically there, she, they, she was going around because people were spain paying their policy numbers on their house. That was the way the adjusters would find, you know, your home, they put the claim number. Once they were there, they put the claim number on it. What you think, like, how stupid is that? You know, like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to go to Feldman's. There's, oh, yeah, here, oh, he's got Allstate. Oh, look, here's his claim number, too. It's on his house. So that's how <laughs> you could do it. But, you know, at the time when Hurricane Andrew, again, when it came, the company brought us in and said, we have a great new product right now. We're going to have one or two adjusters be able to, to, clamp, to adjust a whole block of people. No problem. We're like, wow, what's that? GPS was coming into vogue at the time. And so they come out and do it. Now, one thing that they forgot was people were just weren't there. You know, they're not hanging out in their home waiting for their adjuster to come. They're, they're everywhere. They're securing, you know, there's people going from South Dade to Boca Raton, which is, you know, 50, 60 miles to the north. They're securing places to stay because, I mean, again, when a cat five rolls into your town, not a whole lot of things are standing. So these people were going north. And so a lot of people just weren't there when the adjusters come through. So this little plan of having one adjuster handle a whole block just failed after about a couple of days because they couldn't get back. But, mm. you know, you've had a rotation of adjusters always happening. Um, a personal We're friend of mine I grew up with. Yeah, a personal friend of mine I grew up with. We wrote his policy. I'm going to say like August 10th. Andrew hit on August 24th. I'm going to say like August 10th. Did it COD then, which he could do. Wrote it for like two hundred and I don't know fifty five thousand dollars, whatever it was. Back then, we had guaranteed replacement costs. You had full RC. You had you know no hardly any deductibles, five hundred dollar deductible and everything. So I wrote it. His wife, like two days before the hurricane came, finally put the check in the mail. But that two hundred fifty five thousand dollars paid him about four hundred ninety five thousand dollars. At the wow. end, it was all done. But to get that though, he went through five different adjusters. His house got stripped because looting was happening, you know, because during short supply, not looting like we just went through with with everything with Floyd, but looting as in short of materials. You'd be in the house, they're pulling electrical out of the conduits. They're taking tin caps off the roof. They're they're wow. taking digging PVC up out of the yard, you know, for your sprinkler system. Um, houses were just like stripped 
because drywall was all was all rotten and stuff so you didn't do a whole lot with that um you couldn't use it but you know just it was a backlog of just mater basic materials there was it was reported that there was a home depot down there it just opened up a couple years before that home depot accounted for one percent of the whole sales and home depot system the one in south day that's how busy it was but wow. on the flip side insured said the hell with it man I'll, I'll get my money they bought harleys they bought boats they bought <laughs> cars they bought you know vacation homes they left the state hey it's not mine you deal with it you know i'm they're selling it for basically wow. their, their homes we had one client who sold that home that she sold to another guy turned around and sold it eight more times because she lived right around the corner. It was one of her investment homes, and she sold it. Sold it, and um, the company had paid her fair limits on it. It wasn't a total. It was built super strong, but it had a lot of damage. And I want to say she sold it for I think like fifty something thousand dollars, fifty-two thousand dollars. Had insured for like ninety, so she got her money. It was paid for. She sold it, and then every time she would walk by, she kind of see different people in it, and, you know, because we didn't have really like you have internet right now to to, to trace where who's buying what. But at the time. Um, she said it sold eight more times. Each time they would like the roof lift lifted off because her husband was a contractor. And she goes, Todd, look, that's the roof lifted off. Here's where it's at. And we're like, holy crap, you can stick your hand in there. You know, the trusses from the top of the of the CBS block. And then when you go the next time, it's all covered up and stuff. And then finally by the eighth time, you couldn't even tell the guy gives brand new again. But that's how stuff people were just flipping them as fast as they could they could do them. Wow. So huh. saw that's a lot great. of fraud. Um that was kind of sad. You'd see it, but you know, people do desperate things in desperate times. And that That's all of that happened during Andrew. Okay. Yes. So wow. were there other like? I mean, I, I didn't know we were going to go down the hurricane rabbit hole, but were yeah. there other big hurricanes? I, I know there was like so there was Rita and um, and and Katrina were the big ones, but those were New Orleans, right? Well, Hugo in '89 again, not to be. Mm my time sensitive, but 89 kind of woke up a lot of people because it hit, it just missed Charleston and it hit and it was a pretty, pretty strong storm. And so one of the aftermaths of, of, and, and you'll laugh when I say, but one of the aftermaths of at the time we could write Miami beach basically within maybe 500. Feet <coughs> of water. So basically you have a home, you can write the home across the street, but not the home on the water. And then with Hugo, they said, Hey, we, we can't do this anymore. It has to be a thousand feet from the water. So you could still write, but, that's how short side they were thinking at the time that a thousand feet was going to cure all of the storm coming on. Like really, the hundred, hundred and fifty miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It, it'll be fine over here. It's back of football field. But I'll tell you one thing: the company that's I, I go to bat with them every day. You ask me, um, they they paid like no other company paid. They paid for people. You know, hey. Mr. Pretzinger, your home we have insured for 110. You got like 180 thousand. How about we give you 200? Does that satisfy you? Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Wow. They, they didn't have to open it back up again. So yeah. there's a lot of goodwill. The State Farm, Brand X, they they were they were holding you know depreciation back and making people replace stuff, and um, people were just ticked off. But it changed the landscape dramatically. What's the and they realized that hey, they could almost have the company be bankrupt. That started in Florida. What we, you know, fast forward another like three or four years, we then we went to what they call PUPS, standalone property insurance, you know, carriers. But um, that changed the landscape tremendously. My So a question I have is what was the perception of the big carriers back then to compare with how they are now and, and the way people perceive the importance of that? 
is it just as important as yes. today as it was back then in the perceived yes. eyes of well mind? keep in mind florida had really been hit had a really big hurricane i'm going back to the 60s maybe we had hurricane david like in 77 i was like i don't know Middle school, I don't know, whatever it was, eighth, eighth grade, I guess, going into eighth grade. So that's when it hit. And we thought it was pretty cool because it rained a lot and we're, you know, going out in the streets and puddle jumping and crap like that. But um, that was a big rain event. And then really until like 77, up until a lot of scares, but Andrew is the one that really changed the landscape. And it really made people think about what their policy had covered. At the time, it was all bells and whistles, man. I mean, you didn't have all of this junk out there like, you know, an ACV policy and, I mean, when someone gave you, an, uh, you know, the company policy, it was it was fully covered. There was no gaps. You didn't have a whole lot of gaps. The only way you could do it is if, if you just didn't write it for somebody. I mean, you know, you had stuff like that. But basically, you, when you go out and, and write a, a policy, say, hey, Mr. Feldman, I'm, I'm giving you our, our Cadillac of a policy. It'll cover you. And I want to, you know, from a cost standpoint, say it's, I don't know, we did one for the hurricane. We did a house for like four hundred and ten thousand. The premium was four hundred five for the year. You, you know, now that's a down wow. payment, but that's how cheap right. it was getting. And then prior to that, is there was so much pressure on the carriers to compete against each other, and you know, rate rates were just being driven down so much because they had a hurricane. And then once that hit, whew, rates just once started going up big time. Because but to all answer the questions are gone, right? To answer your question now, I think you can probably strip down. You can cater. You know, good, better, and best policy. At the time, you really had really the Cadillac, and then you had maybe a Chevrolet. You didn't have going from a Mercedes Benz to like a Yugo now that you can. You didn't have this well, big was, scale of policies. What was the difference mm. between the Cadillac and the Chevrolet? Um, a lot. A lot of it was just the coverage of the hands they gave. You know, like when you ever come across a Chubb policy, you know, it's it, it's kind of the same thing at the time. What policy we sold then was kind of like a Chubb policy now. You didn't have to worry about stuff. It gave you a lot of extra coverages. It gave you stuff. You didn't have to worry. You know, it gave you unlimited additional living expense. So if you were out of your house for a year, we, you know, you had some. Matter of fact, we had one in, in the Florida region. We had one in, in being paid still from Andrew. It happened in 2004. 14 years later, this guy was still getting additional living expense <laughs> on his policy. <laughs> it wasn't designed for that because he was in a speed with the company, but they still had to keep on paying. So once once Andrew went by the once it got all the claims got paid and and everything was closed out, then they started filing for different, you know, taking off guarantee replacement costs. You don't have that anymore. You know, you still have replacement costs on contents, but you didn't have this, hey, we insure your house, Mr. Feldman, for two hundred twenty five thousand. If it costs three hundred eighty ninety five thousand to repair it, replace it, we'll do that. That's that's was guarantee replacement costs. That's what it meant. That's awesome. I I, I kind of want to switch gears here for a moment. Yeah, man. And after 31 years, mm -hmm. sounds like you went through a lot, a lot of uh, crazy times, some yes. good. Um, yes. Wh why? Why retire now? Well, when when my dad retired in 2000, um, why I told you a story about Hurricane Andrew was in, in the mid-90s, um, not just our company, but a lot of the companies started really not wanting to write anymore. They deserted the state of Florida and they had subsidiaries that came in and they were giving you less coverages. And then 
also in that time, say around circa 1995 to like 1997, the state in Florida it was called the FRPCJUA then, um, the residual property casualty underwriting market. They they went from basically only dealing with property, say in the Keys, that people needed windstorm coverage. It'd be equivalent to CAA for you guys. It's the California Earthquake Authority. It would be the same thing that the foundation of the JUA was prior to Hurricane Andrew. Nobody really wrote in it except for people you couldn't get coverage for. So fast forward three years after that, they went from having maybe 50,000 policies to over a million policies because carriers were coming in and canceling. You know, State Farm, Prudential, uh, MetLife at the time was there, uh, St. Paul, their Hanover, Travelers, you, you name them, and they're all leaving the state as fast as they could. And then insurance commissioner tried to stop them, but that, you know, okay, great, that lasts for a year. So basically at the end, we were left with a big mess of takeout companies and they came in and they formed. You only needed about $5 million of, of wealth at the time. Your net worth could be five million. And guess what? Hey, Mr. Pretzinger, you own an insurance company today. How about that? Nice. Let's, let's start writing Love business. Yeah. And so they wanted to depopulate their the, the JUA at the time because it was getting too big. It was over a million policies and it was just becoming the elephant in the room that nobody, they would talk about, but nobody really do anything about it. So, um, our company at the time got into JUA to start writing business, and we were writing it on paper, no computers then. We were writing as fast as we could write it down and, and doing stuff because there was no closings. Because after Hurricane Andrew, basically the market, there was no insurance company that was writing in the state of Florida for 60 days. That was in like 1993. So for 60 days, the ENS, the Access and Supply Market, was writing all the new homes. And a lot of realtors, we didn't know what was going on. And our company was the last one to write. We wrote 181 policies in two days because we knew it was coming. They told us, hey, oh. January 19th, we're stopping to write policies, 1992 or 93. Yeah, 93. We're going to stop writing policies. And they did. They stopped writing because they were the last carrier to write. We're doing people CODs and, hey, you think about that house? You're over in Orchid Drive. I'll write you. Yeah, just write it. No problem. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. So, we, that's why some, we, our office alone wrote that many policies, but we wrote that many policies in that two-day period. And then once the JUA came into formation, then everyone was writing. And that's what ballooned and blossomed that to grow to, you know, the million two policies in, in two or three years. So part of I'm telling you that story as to why when my dad retired in 2000, prior to 2000, the 96, 97, 98, the takeouts companies were flourishing because they were, they were being formed to depopulate the big elephant in the room, which is the JUA. Once that was starting to happen, we could write it for a year. And then after that, they would take it from us. Hence, not because of their takeout, but that was the joke. They'd take it from us. And our company wouldn't let us represent those carriers. So we would come in and write, you know, at the time, our checks probably were three and $4,000 a month apiece. The lower premiums at the time, that's, that gives you the volume of business we were writing. I mean, you could almost weigh it, say, yeah, yeah, it's worth $100. Yeah, it's, it's, it's three thousand five hundred this month. You know, you could weigh it because everything was all sent to you, and comp statements were all paper. You know, none of this electronic stuff. So, with that said, when Dad started to retire, um, he had formed an independent at the time in two thousand, mainly to go back and get the business that we lost from the takeouts. And once we did that, we still were in South Florida, and again, the the ideology of writing had changed tremendously to write in South Florida versus say Central Florida and North Florida. You know, you go in the same time in North Florida in the late 90s, you could write like Northern California, like you guys have in Southern California. You could write all day long and, and have no restrictions. 
because the premiums are so low, the, the threat of a hurricane really wasn't there in Central and North Florida at the time. Now, again, that's their short thinking. But so, again, it, as we as Dad built the Independent up in, in 2000, we started taking all these people back. And then I said, you know what? Why don't we get more carriers to write that we're only we're doing home, no auto, just home we focused on. So when when we did that in, in 2000, at the time, you could still work out of your house. So my wife had had worked um, for Signa Dental Health, and she got laid off when we got married in, in 91. So really, for three or four years, she didn't do a whole lot. She, I mean, not a whole lot as far as work-wise. She did a lot as a mom. I mean, she raised our kids and, and everything. So that's that not to short-side her job at the time, but that's something, you know, as a mom, that's a whole other job. And don't pay enough for that. But so in 2000, and once we got all the kids, you know, they were born and, and raised three, four or five years old, she helped out by writing the policies, the independent policies. And over time, she loved it because they entered PJs all day long and write, you know, 15, 20, 30 policies in a day because that's how many stuff was coming in, you know, because the market was just kind of in turmoil. So in that time, we we grew, we, we joined an organization, she did join an organization to help out with carriers. And we went from out of 34, we went from zero being last to number one in probably 18 months with that. And then that led me to springboard to get out of South Florida. I've been wanting to get out of South Florida. Not that I didn't like it, it just from a business standpoint, you can never grow. It's like trying to grow in LA County. I mean, what are you going to write in LA County? You're not going to write a whole lot of business property wise. You know, you just couldn't write it. Same, we were in the same boat. So let me go north. So I went north into Orlando, looked to buy an agency, had one, deal fell through for whatever reason. And then finally in, in 03, I pulled the trigger to buy one in 04. I bought an agency. And that was a $10 million, $11 million shop that I bought at the time. And wow. it was, I mean, I, you pinch me, I, I'd gone to heaven, man. I was like, man, this is, woo. You know, we were about a $5 million shop at the time, you know, around 2004, the Miami office. And I had a $10 million one. I'm like, man, this is cool. We're, we're going to just start minting money, you know? I mean, because you, you could write property all day long. As long as you want to write property in North Florida, Central Florida, you could write it. Auto, no problem. Cross-sell it, no problem. We had like 25% cross-sell on auto on our homeowner book. It was almost, I mean, like they always say, you know, shooting balls, I guess, on the water where it might be at a, like at the carnival, the same thing. We were just, you could, you, hours or anything would stop you from the middle of the day to write new, more new business. So we were writing probably about 240, 250 items a month at the time. Again, only having, you know, you had All-Star at the time. That was it. So you write them COD all day long, and that was cool. And then I had seven glorious months until Hurricane Charlie came. And once Hurricane oh. Charlie came, it was like Shades of Andrew all over again. They shut down, company shut down in the state. And then, you know, fast forward from 2000 and, I don't know, 2005 to, you know, where we are now is kind of the same. You just, they were, they're in the property market, they're not in the property market. So you kind of had to grow, you know, the, the broker business to really make it grow. And then you were really, really helping the company bottom line because you're helping your bottom line as an agency, but you weren't helping the company bottom line because other than getting a, you know, a percentage of, of the premiums, from the carrier, they wasn't helping the company out. So we became our own little island, so to speak. Florida was. Crazy. So that's like California. Right. Right. So then that kind of once they once they kind of got their teeth sharpened a little bit in Florida, the company then expanded other states to do the brokering. So 
we're one of the few states that own 100% of our business, 99.9 of it. We own, the agent owns it. So in other states, like maybe you guys in California, I think you might own the rights to maybe one or two of the companies, everything else, I have Anna Jones. So, and with that, um, that kind of changed the demographics going forward on, on the agencies because, you know, you could still write and get paid for it. But in the end of the day, personally, I'd rather have ownership than compensation because you can control ownership. You can't always control compensation. So, right. So Crazy, when I, man. when I left fast forward, when I left on four one, I basically closed on a Friday, went next door on a Monday, then the next door. So I didn't really have to really start over again. Four so, one of this year. Yep. How was that? I mean, transition. it's sad. Um, you know, over time, again, you guys coming in, how many years you have with the company, Jason? Uh, three and a half. Craig? 12. So Four, Craig came in and Craig came in in the end where you still were having some meetings and you still got to see people, whether it be, you know, twice a month, once a month, whatever it was, you got to see them and, you know, you go out and do stuff. Over time, pretty much in the, I'd say in the 90s, late 90s is when the company started to change, when they weren't as many meetings, they were, their camaraderie wasn't there as much. It was almost like a forced, you know, spreading out of the agents where you couldn't talk as much anymore with that. So to say, how was it when I left? I missed, you know, that, you know, again, since 1966, there really wasn't a Tomlinson that was in within the company anymore. And that's fine. Everything comes to an end. Not that it's, you know, we'll bring out the Kleenex box here and shed some tears, but, you know, it's just part of the camaraderie that you missed with that. But I think the pluses of leaving outweighed the positives of staying, if I can say it that way. So that's, that's one reason why I made a decision to leave. Awesome. And everything, you know, runs its course. Uh, I, again, I don't, with the company, I went to a lot of places around the world. I went to a lot of places in the United States. I made a very good living. I put my kids to school, you know, you name it to have that. I was very fortunate. I mean, we worked at it as everyone else does, but you make as what you put into it is what you get out of it. So um, I have, you know, nothing but good things to say. Don't always agree with like anything else. People work for big corporations. You don't always agree with how they run them, but for the most part, um, I think the core of the people that were there, you know, 20, 30, even 40 years um, really is the ones that you kind of miss talking with. We just had an agent um, who had 60 years, 60 years with the company. He passed away last month. Oh, 60 years. That's crazy. You don't see that often anymore. No. You would think um, that the CEO might want to send a letter, I don't know, a card, something. Even fly down and be at the funeral. I don't know. I mean, not many people have 60 years with a company. I mean, I don't know what your parents did, per se, but they lasted that long with a company, much less. But 60 years, I'm like, damn, I got another 30 years. I retired 31. I don't know if I could do another 30 years again. So <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you see for yourself the next 30 years? Like, after 30 years of grinding away, m being blown away by multiple hurricanes helping people it's I, I like to build i like to build stuff so to me i like building agencies I, i'm not the best at running them my wife will tell you and, and our office manager will say the same thing but you know you got to find what you do good in life um i like i still i still like the day-to-day the -day, i say the grind 
Um, but I still like to build it. I still like to see, you know, how you can grow an office, how you can grow a book of business. Um, mine on the independent side, there's a lot more carriers that we have. We probably deal with over 80 carriers. So you have different underwriting guidelines, whether it's ENS, you have standard carriers. So that's that's the downside that you got to learn all that before we only really had one set of guidelines as you guys have. I mean, you have other ones, but for the most part, you know it forwards and backwards on whether someone's going to qualify or not. But now with that many carriers, um, that's you kind of pride yourself on on knowledge. Um, you know, when you meet with the reps that come in, you, you want to not feel dumb and kind of stupid in front of them. But I mean, but you got to know you got to know your stuff a lot more on the IA side than you do in the captive side. So I think the challenge mm -hmm. of that is what keeps me going. Um, That's awesome. I, I don't feel 56. I know I have to remind myself. I see people on TV and it's like, oh my God, look how old that guy looks. My wife says, hey, he's your age. Like, oh, sorry. But, you know, it's just, it, it's, I, I try to stay in shape. I mean, you know, um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was, when I was living in South Florida at the time, I didn't mention this, but when I bought the Orlando office, I was still in, in Fort Lauderdale. So I flew on Southwest um, from 2004, so January of 2004, five and six, I flew pretty much every day. That was my that was my bus to work. Was flying Southwest. Wow. And so, I got to know again. Got to know Southwest was a wonderful company. Um, fantastic customer service. You ask for something, they'll drop what they have to do. They'll get you on. Um, I I missed maybe on one hand. I probably missed maybe four flights, and they were my own doing with that. But with that said, when I'd fly, the way the ticket system is right now, if you guys fly Southwest, probably being in, in the Southwest, you probably fly them a lot or maybe they used to. But at the time, at midnight, you check in and you get an A number to stand in line. You know, you had A1, 2, whatever it was, back to, I think it's 28. I guess there's A through 28. So with that said, I'd be like 12 1 a.m. You go and check in, press that, you know, send button and you get like, oh, damn it, I got two. Or, oh, yeah, I got one. But we all got to know we, there was a, probably – 15, 20 of us of, of customers of Southwest that got to kind of know each other because I had a lot of car guys that I got to know that would fly up for the auction. They'd fly up, do what they had to do, buy cars and turn around and go back on the next flight. So for me, oh. I was either on this 605, 615, 635, wherever they, they change during the, during the season, I would be on that first flight. And I'd either be in row 11, which is emergency exit, or row 17. Those are my two rows I'd be on. Because you know, I knew going in where I was going to sit. So... I kind of had a joke with my wife. I said, where the plane ever goes down, I'm in row 11 or row 17. So usually I'm on the way from the sun. That's how picky you'd be, like finicky. You'd get on there like, ooh, the sun's on that side. I want to be on that side of the plane. You know, the hell with that. But um, get to know a lot of flight crews and stuff. But anyway, on the way back, they would they they can serve you two beers in 27 minutes of flying time. I can tell you that because I, I did it so a lot. But anyway, when I get back home, <laughs> my kid's a little bit younger then. You know, I, I want a keg keg machine and in a bet with a good friend of mine i'm a huge dolphin fan and he was a huge cowboy fan and every time they play or and i'm an lsu grad and he's a notre dame grad so we'd always have this bet and at the end of the year we kind of who had the most wins and losses and we'd kind of square up on a bet and one of them that year was a keg machine so i won it and so when i'd come home after flying i'd get home you know pretty much you know at clockwork you know the flight gets in at quarter to five or 5 15 i'm home by by quarter to six to six get home Come in and lo and behold, my kids would have, hey, let's get a beer for daddy. You know, I get a 20 ounce glass mug. 
let's have one for daddy. And I drink, you know, half of it. Had three kids. So the next one, we'd, oh, I do it, I do it. So she'd get it, bring it back. Hell, before long, I'd have probably close to 30 ounces of beer. I'd sit down, you know, <laughs> three beers where I'd sit down to eat. So that's kind of where I gained a little weight from, that 04 and 05, flying <laughs> there all the time. But aside from that, but just wonderful memories. Um, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. If I had to fly, you know, here to Dallas or Cali would be a little hard, but I, would, I wouldn't mind going to Cali. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, come out sometime. Boundaries don't bother me to, to, to travel. Um, you don't want to do it every day. I mean, but I know there's people that fly, you know, there's people that fly LA, New York, you know, once a week they're flying. They stay the week, fly home on the weekend, turn around and fly back. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So Todd, yeah, what man. is the number one piece of advice that you give anybody coming into this industry uh, with your 31 years of knowledge? You've seen it all. You've seen changes. What, what, what would you advise if uh, young Todd was coming in today? Learn your craft the first year and then start buying as much as you can while you can, when you can. Mm. Buy. Buy, 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 buy. <laughs> because you'll never, you will never, ever. I don't, I don't care who you are. But you won't last long if you do do it, but you will get terminated. <laughs> but you got to... You got to do it and buy every year. Buy, you know, um, like another agent says, you have to put yourself in a position to where the opportunity comes that you can pull the trigger and buy. You got to do it. Both you guys do that. I applaud you guys for that. But you got to bust your ass and you got to buy when you can. You might not think it's a good buy, but it's so much easier. The advice being, it's it's easier to buy it and build it than it is to write it and make it grow because you you can't do it now. Mm -hmm. Good old days. You write something, throw it, let them throw it in the wall. They run on MVR. Uh, they'll be like 60 days for they run MVR. You're good. You, know? <laughs> you didn't Love have it, to do uh, it. You know, you had written rejections then. So, you know, it was, it was a different time when you do it. Now you can't even push the bind button now because it won't take it. It'll say reject. Yeah. Then it was all paper. We'd have big Crazy. envelopes that would come, these big yellow envelopes. You probably heard stories of them, the middle envelopes. And it would be, it would go, and in our case was the Jackson Regional Operations Center, the Jackson Rock, Jackson, Mississippi. You get to know the ladies there. You'd be on the phone with them. You know, they call you. Hey, I can't read your right. Is that, what's that VIN number? I, I, what's that digit? You know, they, they couldn't. Right, right. Everyone had different writing, you know. It was, <laughs> yeah. It was different. It's nuts. That is nuts. But I'll tell you one thing. You had a loss. If I sign your application, at 2.55 p.m. on a Friday afternoon, and you had an accident at 3 o'clock, you had coverage. Not like now, where it says, oh, well, it goes to the next day. And actually, you know, Mr. President, when did you actually sign the application? Oh, he signed it. He signed it in the morning. Oh, okay. You don't, mm. you don't have that anymore now. I mean, you gave it to the client. That was, that was their proof that they had coverage. Wow. Do you think, people are, do you think there's, it's because people are more scammy now? I think people scammy. are scammy. No, I scammy. I think with technology, they can control a lot more behind the scenes than they used to. Mm. With insurance, I think, um, not so much on the ENS market. The the excess and surplus lines market is a little bit different. There's still the the core values that they still the integrity is not to say that we don't have it when you do electronic. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying just when you deal with the London crowd and the the true history of Lloyd's and stuff. It's your integrity. If you say you, you're going to bind it and you bind it, you're you're on it. I mean, you say you're going to do 
fifty million dollars worth of homeowners premium in, in you know a year, you're gonna do it. You're huh. gonna do it. That's so awesome. I think different times. It, it's different times. Not say it's, it's scammy, but I think right now, to a degree, we are glorified order takers. I mean, maybe you don't feel it that way, but in essence, it's hard to go out and generate where the good old days and say, hey, I'm gonna go out and write. Beverly Hills, but outside of Beverly Hills, I'm going to go write in, in Westwood, for example. I, I know I can write some homes in there. There's a stretch of homes I can write in there. They meet the criteria. They're all built in the you know the 90s. I can do all that. Now you have technology. You can you don't have to leave your office. You can go on the computer and just hey, let me let me you know let me pull up a heat map and see the homes where they're built right there. I can go to download that into this thing and go to my radar, push a couple buttons. It goes to the radar and it sends out the quotes and then boom, you know I can follow up with them. I put them in. My in my text and my radar or my CRM and it comes back and it says, hey, I'm having a chat. A quote bot's having a chat with, you know, Mr. Smith. He doesn't even know who he's talking with. Thinks he's talking with someone mm -hmm. in the office. So that's that's where I think the next level is going. I'm fascinated by insure tech. Um, I'm like a little mm -hmm. kid in a candy store. You mentioned technology and insurance. Kind of weird, but that's something that kind of gets me going. Yeah. Love Bots it. are very interesting. Very interesting. I think, I think the old... Legacy carriers are going to really have to improve their technology. Not just our company, but a lot of companies. Yeah. Yeah. Annual guard. Hey, write us because we, we, you know, we're A plus 15. Who cares? Yeah. I think that yeah, the, the, they the, are. the world of giving fluff out and just saying, you know, that we're, I, I'm not saying it's fluff, but, but the, like the descriptions you have of, of how it used to work. People don't care anymore. They don't no. care. Like, yeah, I could say, hey, I'm going to come out to your, like, I'm going to come out to your house and sit at your table and explain the stuff. They'll be like, hey, are you high? Oh, I am my house. Are you yeah. High? Are you smoking crack over there? I, I, no. You know, we don't. Who are no, you? No, you just unsold me. Yeah, are you taking <laughs> you. Are you wearing khakis? No, I'm wearing khakis, but I'll come see you. I'm driving a white truck. I'm, you'll see me in the driveway, but you right. don't do that anymore. They don't want it. They, hey, they, we don't want anyone. We were my dad's clients. He wrote at a home show, 1967. We still have him insured. He was 21 years old. And he came to see my dad. Yeah. Wow. See, he's so, never sure. leaving. Never leaving. I spoke to him the other day. It's like, it's so weird. He's like, you know how long we've been with you? I know. I was, what, three when you wrote the policy with my dad. I know. Wow. You've seen me over the That's years. Amazing. It's like family. And I have some of those. I, yeah, I have some of those that have been with, with us for so long that they're never going anywhere. You know, and... It one is thing, interesting. One thing that kind of frustrated me when you get again back to my thing about building it versus you writing it, and you'll never write, you know, ten thousand customers. You're never going to write them. You, you can't. It's just physically impossible. You don't want to do it anyway. But when I had, you know, over what fifteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand clients at one time, I just feel bad because you could never get to all of them. You could never speak to them. The only thing we get to them is you send them birthday cards. We'd send them out. That's the only way you could really get to them in masses. The staff knew who the people were for the most part, but it was hard to talk to the agent. You know, you'd be there. Um, I couldn't be in two places at once with it. Um, you know, especially when I sold a Miami office and bought my North Florida office in Amelia. That was a little bit different, you know, because I was I was the new fella, you know, that came in. So they thought because I bought the business, I jacked the rates up. You know, I just happened to be timing. It's like, man, that kind of sucks. But um, I, I think it's everything being cyclical i think when you go back again and you write someone a handwritten card a birthday card your office doesn't be you it goes it goes a, a long way for a client maybe 100%. not much for the millennials per se but i think 
it's still people when they they want to be tinkles on it. I can say it in a good way. They still want to be you know patronized. That does. They still they still like that. It's amazing, like the, a true handwritten because people can smell the the fake. Like they yes, have the fake handwritten. Like they, they can they know that's BS. But like a real one, like there's a like I I the only thing that my wife likes that I know that I'm gonna get. Um, that that she's gonna be happy when I get it is Tiffany. Anything from Tiffany, yes. right? As long as it's from Tiffany. And the guy sends a handwritten thank you card, and I yes. send, and then I told I tell her. I mean, she hates any time I talk about marketing, but I tell or sales, you know. And, and I tell right. her, I go, look, this is like the reason I go back. Well, because you like it, and then that works out well. But but also I go back here because this guy sends this thing, right? Yes. And and she emailed him and said. Hey, thank you for sending him those thank you cards. Keep sending them to him. <laughs> and, and but I mean, it's it's amazing. You know, like the the actual handwritten card takes three minutes, and it's probably one of the best follow up tactics Correct. that you can do in sales. Correct, hands down. We've you know, and we've That's... we've talked about that before on here, and I think it goes back to just back to the basics of communication. All these all all this stuff in technology can help us. It's a tool. But man, there's nothing like a conversation. Like, when was the last time a company called you to see how you're doing? Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Any or a handwritten note or anything like that. Like, or just popped in that, their office. Pop in your yep. office. You go, hey, hey, Joe, what's going on? I haven't seen you in a while. Hey, Todd, hey, what's happening? But that's one reason why commercial. I think I enjoy doing commercial. Not that why I, I almost enjoy more in doing personal lines, but commercial, you do relationships. Yeah. And, you still just go out and it's tough when they leave, have to leave you for whatever reason. I mean, there's, you can't be the lowest all the time and can have to always have the best or someone's always going to top you. But for the most part on a commercial, one reason, in my opinion, one reason why a commercial hasn't been tech wise, I guess, if you call it that way is because it's hard to put that in a relationship, especially when you get into your larger accounts, you know, you can hide behind tech all you want, but you still got to go out and see the client, especially on commercial. Yeah. Yeah, your larger accounts. You know, your larger account, you can. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Love it, man. Well, love it. Man, we have taken up uh, way more than I thought we were going to of your time. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. I hope everybody just, people are going to eat this up. This is awesome. So, um, yeah. We'll see you on the, uh, at the, the, the now. The one next thing, again, I say one thing real fast. So, one thing since you asked me and since I left, I'm, I'm part of if you give, giving back you do in the industry i'm trying to build a network going we, we've been doing it since 14 we've been starting a network so we help captives or people maybe that have the experience but have the wherewithal in sales that want to come in so we have our own network that we start we have like 10 offices right now that we have underneath us so we help clients to do that uh, and the clients we help agents to do that and yeah. it's not as easy as you think it is people say oh well when I leave, I'm gonna take you know all my book. Mm, I don't think so. You know they're not gonna leave you. <laughs> you know they hate to, hate to bust your bubble, but they're not gonna leave you as many you think are gonna like, follow you. But we we help them. Um, we provide a lot of stuff to them and like like that. I know we're one of many that's out there, but that's one thing. Getting to my, I want to build it. That's what yeah. kind of me going to help do that. So well, so um, how can they how can they find that? Um, we're Branch Agency Solutions. Mm-hmm. The way it sounds. Okay. So we have there- nine offices in, in Florida, one there. Um, I, I got to redo my webpage, but right now we also have our own MGA. We do. We help people out for private flood. We do mainly. Oh, cool. But a lot of the agents, there's a lot going on right now. Whether, again, I know the people from Brightway. I know the people from Goosehead. I mean, there's a lot of different models out there that kind of want to, you know, pull you this side or pull you that side, however you want to do it. But I always tell agents, 
and I, I'll be happy to speak to them, but you always have to look in the end, what are you leaving? Why are you leaving that entity? And where are you going to get to? Some people need a transition. Some people need a kick in the butt. Some people need to get their hand held a little bit. Some people want to coast. They're, hey, I'm 49. I'm tired of this crap. I don't want to do it anymore. So that's that's kind of what I like to do and, and help people out and kind of give back in a way with it. Um, so if I can help anybody, it's there. They can reach out to me. Um, but that's my email. Help out people. So what's your, what's the email they could shoot you a message at? Um, probably my initials since I'm the admin, uh, that's anything, but I'm the admin. Okay. It's my initials, TT at branchagency.com. There you go. Perfect. We'll throw that in the show notes. I think I always say that and then we don't, yeah. but we will. So, we will. so <laughs> and if we don't, we will work on that. So thank you, Todd. Awesome to talk with you. You got it, and, man. Uh, yeah. Have a good one. Hey, I want to see Alf in the background next time when I see somebody on I there. Know. See Alf on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Love it. All right, Thanks fellas. so much, Don. Take care, man. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the insurance dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.